All right. So thank you again and welcome to uh, Unraveling Cities with Paloma and me, Natalia, both co-founders at Chaos. Uh, today we have a very, very um, interesting topic, but I hope that you enjoy it. Welcome. And the topic that we are discussing today, um, it has to do with uh, how the real estate situation is currently looking and how much we are reading in the news, for example, about these mega trends, uh, war, inflation, energy crisis, bank sector volatility, <laughs> uh, and economic recession and such. But we have a very, very uh, interesting guest right now. Um, and please, uh, I don't delay this anymore. So he is the CEO, a member of the executive board in JLL in Finland. He has an extensive experience in the real estate industry and board experience from both corporate and nonprofit boards. And if you have not guessed by now who this person is, <laughs> he is Tero Lehtonen. So welcome, Tero, to be here with us today. Thank you. It's uh, great to be here and uh, hopefully we will have an interesting discussion. So shortly about my background, so as, as Paloma mentioned, I'm CEO of uh, JLL Finland and also board member, board member of uh, different companies, for example, Finnish construction company Jatke, and also advisor, advisory board member of uh, PropTech Finland and uh, Rakli, which is the association of uh, Finnish real estate investors. I've been in business over 20 years, so have a quite a long, long history with, with real estate markets. Nice to be here today. Thank you, Tero. And on top of that, you're also a regular speaker in real estate seminars. Yeah. I think that the last time that we met was in Business Arena, if I'm not mistaken. So yeah. you have a lot to say probably in this kind of hot topics that Natalia is mentioning. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so we have seen actually quite a significant change in real estate markets during past year and that goes back back to inflation and as, as a result we have seen central banks to increase their policy rates and uh, still a year ago we were uh, in an environment where interest rates were around zero now we have seen a significant increase in interest rates which has means to property investors that their financing costs has, have been increasing and at the same time as, as banks have been uh, trying to keep interest coverage rates as pretty much on same levels, loan to values have, have been coming down, which means that yeah, you can get financing, but uh, uh, the money is, is uh, more expensive and, and you will get less, less debt than a year ago, for example. So that's a, that's a one one and uh, the biggest impact of, of inflation for real estate markets. In addition, inflation has, of course, had an increasing impact on, on operating expenses. So costs have been going, going up almost everywhere. Uh, on the other side, of course, we have seen also rents to increase in, in line with inflation because most of these agreements are, are having CPI-linked linked indexation, but then the question mark is, is that uh, if, if, if market trends will also follow inflation and indexation in some markets and uh, some sectors, most probably yes, 
but for example in in residential where investors actually haven't been able able even even to um, get all the indexation in in rents uh, in residential we are also in situation that market rents won't increase in line line with the uh, with the inflation which means that uh, uh, rents are are actually decreasing at the moment particularly what comes to real rents and then uh, inflation is also impacting uh, development and construction costs which has mean that uh, we have seen particular residential development a huge slowdown and uh, there's still quite a lot of uh, residential buildings under construction but uh, number of new projects to be launched has been on on extremely low levels this this year so that's uh, about inflation it's having quite a lot of impact on on the market and uh, maybe the other theme which i would like to mention at the beginning of this discussion is is um, uh, future of offices because we all know that the hybrid working is here to stay which means that uh, office market is is uh, seeing quite a big structural change and that's that's having impact on both on occupiers and and landlords and what kind of premises will be will be needed in the future so <clears throat> that's actually you have a very, a very good gift there of explaining very complicated things in a very simple way so thank you for that i really enjoy that if, if i just Uh, mention the four things you're saying now it's uh one is uh financing costs are higher for the real estate investors operating costs have gone up uh inflation has also affected the construction costs and then the future of offices is changing yeah uh, mm-hmm. and if, if it would depend only on you uh what would you do differently like to correct the situation or where do you think that the silver lining is well somehow yeah the situation is is challenging but on the other hand i would say that the interest rates which were around zero or even below zero that wasn't healthy situation so one can say that we have we are just coming back back to normal but at the same time typically when the cycle is, is going down we are also getting kind of back to basics so yeah, as as a property investor i would actually put much more focus on on asset management and uh, make sure that i'm i think i'm keeping good care of my current tenants and i'm i'm having enough resources on on leasing of potential vacant spaces and also i'm considering future of, of my properties if there are some which are clearly outdated start immediately to make plans how to how to make them attractive also in, in future it might be just about repositioning but it might be really development and or retoning so actually this this part of cycle is 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 the one where you should start doing plans and also executing those plans to make sure that uh, you are having uh, stable cash flows also in in future and you are you are competitive in the market in the future as well 
I really like that, like back to basics. I think we are hearing that slogan everywhere. Um, it, it's perhaps related to the very good times that we have been living in, in a lot of different industries. And now we have to rethink why are we doing the things and do it in a more sustainable way. It seems that you're describing when, when you're telling a little bit about asset management, uh, about making a building or the zone of a building more livable uh, by making tenants happy. Yeah. Can you can you elaborate a little bit for someone that doesn't know what asset management is like? How are the things done today, and and what will be great if we're uh, really focusing on that in the future? What will be these key success factors that are going to influence that you have that that you're great as an, as an asset manager? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, well, I, I will take office market as an example because, as I mentioned earlier, that's uh, the sector in real estate market which is going going or where's going on the kind of biggest structural change. And if I think uh, the situation from office asset management point of view, yeah, of course, you should focus on, on cost and operating expenses. But what you really should do is, is uh, to make sure that uh, you are offering premises which uh, tenants are looking for and uh, which kind of premises tenants are nowadays looking for. Uh, well, we are seeing a clear polarization of, of office market. That's, that has been actually happening for the last 15 years, but uh, since COVID, the pace of that change has been, has been increasing. And it means that uh, tenants would like to have, of course, uh, nice and attractive premises, but those premises should be in, in building which is uh, technically in, in good condition. It has uh, nice common areas, lobbies, and things like that. And it's also ESG-compliant building. And then, it, of, of course, goes also back to locations. So then want to be located in, in locations where you have also something else than just offices. So you would like to have a different kind of services, amenities, restaurants. And that's, of course, something for which you, as, as an asset, as asset management sir, only can't, can't uh, impact. But uh, of course, you should make sure that uh, in your building, if you can, you are offering as, as wide service offering as, as possible. So it goes back to the quality of, of tenants' own premises, but also quality of building and, and uh, quality of, of um, location. And uh, we are quite often speaking about like the quality what comes to tenants' preferences, particularly nowadays. I hear how there's this sweet spot that between what you're saying and what Natalia is saying is this triangle between, of course, profit, but then also purpose and people, most importantly. And now you're speaking a lot about people in the form of tenants. And uh, you also mentioned ESG now when you were speaking and that's one of the very hot topics. And I actually wanted to ask you about that because we hear a lot about the environmental goals, but I feel like the S in ESG, which is the social part, what we are speaking about now, has overall been a bit less prominent, especially from 2020 when like the pandemic and 
we have seen the importance of understanding and, and measuring this social value. In this case, like with buildings or city development, um, what are the implications for for the real estate industry? You can also speak from the point of view of JLL in this matter. What is the short and long term value that you create for communities? How do you consider that? It's starting on on big picture and EST overall. That's uh, that's nowadays on top of the agenda of uh, almost every investor. We have seen actually quite a big change during the last three to five years. So a couple of years ago, yeah, it was on strategy of uh, several investors, but it wasn't a top priority. So there has been a huge change in, in mindset of investors as well as, as occupiers. And as you mentioned, that, uh, quite often we are speaking about uh, environmental and that, of course, makes makes sense because, uh, for example, if you think uh, carbon emissions, uh, some 40% of carbon emissions globally are, are coming from real estate. So that's that's a sector which really have have a, or can have impact on climate climate change, and uh, that's where the focus has has been. But at the same time, as as you mentioned. S is coming more and more important, and but at the same time, it's it's uh, much more difficult to measure. And, and uh, uh, that's a good question: how how you can impact societies? But I think that the real estate sector overall has has of course also a big impact there, because uh, as 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 I spoke as an example about offices, we need to make sure that. Uh, uh, offices are places where people want to come and, and uh, they are healthy places and they are places where where they want, want to meet other people. And at the same time, if, if we think similarly, uh, different uh, submarkets, uh, it, it goes back, of course, to, to reachability, but also, also the overall feeling of of, of the area, which is of course impacted by by the buildings and uh, also what kind of service offering the buildings buildings have. So from that point of view, yeah, real estate has a has a big impact also from social point of of view. And um, yeah, yeah, I think that's those are very good points and. I think in everybody's head, ESG still, even if we've been speaking about it for some years, it's still quite a fluffy concept and it's always hard to see very concretely, okay, what should we do? And you're mentioning some of those points now like that are important for the S part, the reachability, the office spaces or like people's second home in a way, especially now that the way of working has changed, like adapting those the service provision in an area. So in all those ways, uh, the real estate's main agents can help to uh, shape a better city for for everybody. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. So what do you see moving on that's next? Like in real estate, if if ESG, like, of course, we all know that it's a topic that is in everybody's agenda, like you said, but 
moving on from there, what, what can we get a forecast for the upcoming years in real estate? What do you see happening in your crystal ball? <laughs> yeah, well, my crystal ball has been maybe a little <laughs> bit broken lately, but uh, we started the discussion about the reality that at the moment market market situation is is quite challenging. But uh, if if looking forward, I think that real estate is is still enjoying quite a quite a positive outlook in in mid and long term. Of course, uh, if we think what has happened in real estate markets during the last 15 to 20 years, at the beginning of uh, this century, we were in situation where the markets were really local and there was limited amount of investors investing to real estate. Since then, we have seen globalization of, of real estate investment market and also clear increase in professionalism, professionalism of uh, different players in the market. And at the same time, we have seen a huge growth in investment volumes, for example. And I think that uh, now, now we are in a situation that this is more like a maturing market. So we won't see such a growth what we have seen. But as I said, the outlook is, is still positive. Real estate has stabilized its, its uh, uh, position on portfolio allocations of, of uh, huge in, institutional investors. So the money money will stay here and we will see also also new money to flow, flow to market. So the big picture looks looks still promising. And, <laughs> Good to hear. Very well known. Uh, urbanization is, is uh, still here. So we need to build new buildings and, and uh, also new new sub-markets and, and uh, from that point of view, real estate has a, has a quite a key role on, on developing of, of cities. Then looking in, in shorter term, if starting from transactional market, uh, well, this year will be challenging. Most probably we are at the moment close to the top cycle of, of interest rates. So interest rates will start to stabilize and uh, that will will most probably also impact positively transactional market. So starting from next year, we will most probably see increasing activity there. And I would assume that 2025, uh, if, if we would assume that uh, GDP growth will uh, start to increase, we should actually see, see much more, more active market on, on transactional side. Uh, what comes to leasing markets, um, uh, they have been actually quite quite stable, but of course they are particularly office and retail market are impacted by, by, by the economical development. And at the same time, resident decimal market has been suffering of a uh, huge amount of new supply to coming coming to market. But again, if we are assuming that uh, GDP will will start to grow again starting from next year, we should see also uh, increasing act- activity on, on leasing market. And uh, particularly in, in offices, this uh, hybrid working and uh, changing requirements for for spaces will will need that uh, or will mean that companies will need to move and, and look for new premises on the coming years. And it doesn't matter if, if the economy is growing or or not. So some some recovery also in, inside on on leasing market. Uh, residential development is, is actually a bit, bit of question mark because we have seen a huge increase in construction costs and at the same time 
consumers' purchasing power has been going down, interest rates have been going up, which means that consumers can't pay as, as high prices for residential as, as they use it. And that's the same story for investors because of increasing interest rates. So there we have a kind of challenging situation, and that's actually quite a big, big question mark, how we can build also in future residential buildings with prices which are affordable enough for for consumers as well as, as for investors, because that's actually super important from uh, development of, uh, or from point of view of development of cities. The office has been suffering because of this hybrid uh, situation when that was originated after Corona. Uh, and then you mentioned also that Resi has been suffering because there's a huge supply coming to the market. Uh, I remember that in Helsinki we have had this situation where we have an oversupply of offices. So this just leads that offices and Resi market are with an oversupply right now in the market. So if I connect this to the ESG and what you were saying before, so it seems that investing and creating more supply, uh, which is not meeting the demand or vice versa, like the supply is, it's, there's not enough demand for this. What you mentioned about focusing in asset manager makes management makes more sense since for two reasons, I think. One, because we have oversupply, so now it's uh, competing, like who's the best uh, now? Uh, and second, because ESG is also forcing uh, the real estate players to revamp their buildings. So instead of creating new supplies, how do we transform what there is? So I find this very interesting. What do you think of that then? Yeah, exactly. That's the, that's the case that investors need to need to redevelop their properties. And we actually have a, nowadays uh, several investors on the market who have a strategy which is called brown to green. So they buy buildings which are clearly outdated from ESC point of view and then they invest and develop the property be ESG compliant and and that's that's one phenomenon what we have seen seen happening in this market during actually past past year or two. And then going back to oversupply in offices and residential, yeah that's true that both markets are suffering at the moment at least a little about oversupply, but the fundamentals are totally different. So in, in residential that's not any kind of issue in the long long run because uh, we are, as mentioned earlier, urbanization is, is still here and, for example, Helsinki metropolitan area is, is growing strongly. So we will need actually a lot of new residential apartments and buildings also also in future. And the situation is now, now that, that uh, development activities is uh, slowing down and at the same time demand is increasing. So the demand supply situation is going to balance in residential markets most probably during next two years or or something like that. In offices it's it's totally different because as, as you mentioned we have actually had a relatively high vacancy in Helsinki metropolitan area for the last 15 years. And uh, we think what's happening in the in the office market at the moment, as mentioned, companies are looking for new modern premises. But at the same time, they are finding out that they don't need as much, typically as much premises as they use it, use it to 
need and quite often they are scaling down the size of their premises some 30% or something like that which means that uh, they will release even more vacant space to market and which means that uh, as I mentioned at the beginning of, of discussion polarization of this market will increase clearly so we will quite surely see increasing vacancy in, in office market also going going forward but uh, the vacancy is isn't going to be same in in different areas or or different buildings so if you have a prime quality building in prime location you will most probably see really low vacancy also going forward and, and even increasing rents but if you are in secondary location with this uh, outdated uh, office building you will most probably have a lot of problems with with leasing and uh, most probably end up at some point to consider how to redevelopment the building for some some other use so the story is, is a little bit different in or totally different in residential and office sectors overall. Mm-hmm. Yeah, one point, um, going back to what you said, well, you're discussing demand and supply now, but about the demand, I think it's important to make emphasis also in what you said before that it has to be affordable. The supply has to be affordable for the demand that there is. So it's not only that, yes, people need to live somewhere for sure, but can they afford to pay? for that place and the phenomena that we have been seeing worldwide now is that a lot of people that purchased a home are not able to, with inflation now, uh, continue paying their loans. So they have to sell and uh, all these properties end up being purchased by the people that are wealthier and are maybe less affected by the situation. So I think that's also something that's really crucial for real estate players to consider to avoid that also kind of segregation. Yeah, yeah, that's absolutely true. And uh, it is true that uh, prices have been increasing quite uh, significantly also in Finland during past years what comes to residence. And now when we are seeing interest rates going up and also the cost of uh, living overall going up, it mm-hmm. uh, will end or we will end up to situation that there will be challenging situations for, for some, some people. and. Uh, Residential prices needs to adjust downwards. That's that's quite quite clear. And particularly in Finland, where we have most of uh, mortgages uh, or interest rates of mortgages based on on fluctuating rates, like year for twelve months, this impact will be seen quite quite quickly. In some other countries, where have, they have fixed the interest rates, it's going to take some some more time. But uh, yeah. We are already in a situation that people are, are struggling with, with increasing interest rates and the overall cost of living. I think it's very concrete to say that let's focus in uh, asset management. That's something like a key takeaway, I think. And I'm going back to that like, uh, why is, has real estate not considered this before? I mean, absolutely, you you must have, you know, there, there's the whole profession out of it. But um, now when we are thinking more of services and all these things, I think that real estate hasn't been very proactive uh, in encouraging good services and good living. It has always been perhaps meeting the needs. So n- now we are going more into that. And I found it really 
good that we are speaking more and more about affordability. Uh, this is one of the UN SDGs uh, where uh, if we take a look at like everyone who's buying a house, that's the biggest investment we make in life, I think, if you don't own yet uh, another cottage or something else. But I think that's one of the biggest ones. It's a, it's a human right. And we want to keep the economy moving. I mean, we all benefit when there's uh, everything is rented or, you know, the occupancy levels are high. So I think we looking into that, it's something that I would want to see more. But I also know that it doesn't depend only, uh, to be fair, in the in this uh, economy uh, on the private side. So you mentioned that, that there's uh, uh, the real estate in general industry is focusing more on these things. But from the side of the government, of the public side, what is the need that you have? I mean, what would you like to see also happening for you, you know, for the private sector? Is there something that uh, the public side can do now to alleviate the situation? Yeah, that's, that's a good question. Well, I think that the real estate industry has uh, almost always been speaking about zoning and, and making zoning processes faster and, and more flexible and I think that that's still relevant because for example as, as I mentioned we are seeing increasing amount of office buildings to become totally outdated and uh, the best solution for those buildings would be convert them to some other use quite often it's residential and also from both of society and the environmental point of, point of view it doesn't make sense that we have a huge amount of, of uh, vacant buildings in quite good locations. So that's something where we, I think we still should be able to improve the processes and, and be at least a little bit more, more flexible going, going forward. Yeah, that's a good point. Uh, I've heard, at least from uh, the private side, that it's very difficult to convince the cities that some rezoning has to be made. I think uh, if I put myself in the position of the public side, of course, you need all the arguments, you know, that this is not motivated by private interests only, but uh, that you need to take a look at what's happening in the area. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And uh, I think that... uh public sector should be following more what has been happening in the market. Again, office market is quite a good example. Let's say that going back to 1980s, companies were typically fine to locate in, in an office building, which was, uh, let's say, in the middle of, of residential area, just single, single office buildings somewhere. But nowadays, so I would say almost every company wants to be close to other companies and in established office areas, which means that uh, we are still seeing zoning of new areas based on the assumption that there should be also also some office supply in addition to residential and retail supply. And it actually ends the result that those plots which have been zoned to uh, office use will never be built for that use. And then at some point, maybe 15 or 20 years later, they will, will be rezoned for or residential or, or some other use. So we have seen clear change in, in mindset of companies where they would like to have their offices. And I don't 
think that that's totally reflected on our zoning at this point. So you're saying that uh, the recipe that uh, the public side used to to have, like you need these elements, it's not working anymore, and these assumptions have changed with all this. Yeah, yeah, partly, partly. And it's actually funny because now uh, there's a lot of speaking about um, 15 minute city. It's a huge topic, and the concept actually is about exactly being able to have everything that you need around you in a 15-minute walk, which includes also a mix of residential, of leisure, uh, all the retail services, but also office spaces. So now more than ever, this should be also in the agenda of the public sector, like you're mentioning. Yeah, yeah. The reconsideration of those zoning plans that do not meet this criteria and this need of the population. Yeah, and uh, well, this 15-minute uh, city concept is, is, of course, interesting. And uh, I think that it's clear when when the cities are growing bigger and bigger, they will have uh, uh, several separate centers, of course, depending a little bit uh, where the city is based. So we have uh, quite a lot of differences between US-based cities and, and cities in, in Europe. And what we are actually seeing in Helsinki metropolitan area, it is still actually quite small metropolitan area in global comparison, but uh, it is uh, coming to sites where we are seeing that the situation where we'll, we will have, uh, instead of one city center, we will have several different centers, which are kind of related to this 15-minute uh, minute concept. But at the same time, uh, Helsinki metropolitan area is still so small that, uh, that uh, it's quite easy to reads almost every part of, of this area by or quite quickly by by public transportation or by by your car so it's still quite a different discussion when it goes to real really big cities like london and new york and once again if speaking about office market there we are seeing situation in so companies might have their headquarters for example in in some prime office location city center or something like that and then they have hubs in other parts of cities, which makes it a little bit easier for or faster for people to get get mm -hmm. to offices. But Helsinki metropolitan area is so small that I don't think that we will need that kind of hubs because you are still typically at maximum some 30 minutes out of your your office. Of course, it's not a walking distance, but still. And the same go, goes actually back to logistics we are speaking a lot of uh, last mile logistics which is needed for uh, distributing stuff to home or some, something like that and again if you think Helsinki metropolitan area if you have a logistics building next to airport you can actually deliver to almost every part of Helsinki metropolitan area in one hour which is enough so we don't need that kind of uh, network of uh, distribution units as, as we need in in bigger cities like like London and New York. Mm -hmm. That's actually a very good comment. Now, uh, when when you're speaking about the trend, uh, about this change in uh, uh, logistics and smile delivery, uh, at least like people that I have been asking when when I you know ask like how much do you buy online uh, and all these things, and and I've been very surprised that uh, everybody seems to buy everything all the time online. And constantly, so it's not maybe once a month, but it's much more. And 
uh, I, I was thinking that how do you know if you don't have to return something? And they said, ah, it doesn't matter. The shipping is always free. So you buy it, you try it, and then you just return it. And I think this is like a paradox as well when tenants are looking for more sustainable buildings that have access or this like fast uh, delivery access in a way. And at the same time, we're as tenants, we're expecting that everything is on demand all the time, always on. And then not thinking of the carbon emissions, for example, of returning an item. Yeah. So th that's also maybe a paradox there as well. We have to be yeah. more conscious in that. Yeah, I I fully agree. And I think that the retailers, or they have already started and will slowly start to have some cost on, on returns, for example, because if it's free, it's, as you mentioned, it's too easy for for people to test the order and then, then return. So you might order five items and uh, return two or three of them, which mm -hmm. is not not sustainable, sustainable at all. So e-commerce has actually quite a lot of uh, challenges also from from ESG point of view, even though it's making life of people easier, but uh, it's not so so straightforward. I ask you something that more personal that is not so serious. <laughs> How would you describe um, the perfect location for you to live in? I mean, what do you enjoy when, when you go to home? You know, what are the elements that are there that make you happy? And yeah, like, well, what are you looking for when you go home or to the office, maybe? I'm a city person. So perfect location for me is actually in, in the immediate vicinity of city center so i want want to be close to everything in in walk, walking distance and uh, i like to be also close close to sea so i would say that uh, for me the perfect perfect location is, is in city center of helsinki next next to sea that's easy life for me <laughs> you then we are very similar <laughs> i thought the same <laughs> It's funny that now we consider this an easy life, you know, for some other people also like easy life is just being in the forest or in the field, you know, and that's easy. Mm -hmm. um, what, what is a perfect office for you? Are, are you this kind of guy that we just wants like a normal desk and own office or do you like this uh, flexible environment? Uh, well, again, if that, starting from location, I think the office should be located in in uh, city center or location which is like city center so a lot of different kind of uh, restaurant services amenities available if not in your office building next next to your your building but otherwise i think that uh, uh, maybe the most important thing is of course the feeling of of office but also uh, having different kind of uh, rooms and areas for different different kind of, of needs. So nice working cafe where you can meet, meet your colleagues and then desks which have a good technical solutions if you need to work, um, some quiet space and then space to easily organize a Teams meeting or something like that and also nice meeting room to meet your clients or, or your colleagues. So 
Uh, that's a very nice way to describe it. You're like Paloma. Like she's the best customer of Espresso House. <laughs> yeah. And does, does your ideal of an office not include a popcorn machine? Because that's what we have here. <laughs> mm. <laughs> Other <people>. priorities. <laughs> like, like, like that. I, I think for me, it's, it's the most important to have a coffee machine. <laughs> that we also have, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, but, but this one's nice. I mean, it, it seems that you're still meeting the needs, you know, but in a more, as Danish people would say, hygge environment. So, yeah. Yeah, yeah that's actually a good, good, good description. Hygge, yeah. Mm -hmm. So it's like still you need some quiet place and, and then you have to have a nice meeting room to receive guests. I think we all feel very nice when we are into, when we visit, you know, someone like, in in the working life uh, and you're treated very well and the office is nice and everything i don't think that these very um sterilized rooms work very good you know to enable conversation i think it's always the best conversations is always in in a very random environment yeah and also yeah um well in our own case actually we were changing office in the middle of the pandemic. <laughs> so we got, uh, we asked the team actually very directly, like, hey, since everybody's working remote now, it's a global like way of doing things. How do you feel about that? Is something that would make you more comfortable? Or, And everybody was like, no, <laughs> please. Like we went both. Like, so the hybrid is what we ended up going for. So we, we have quite a nice office, like quite cozy, but then it's also very flexible. But I, I, do not see the world just fully transitioning to uh, to fully remote. All, all the social engagement will be missing from there. And that's what <laughs> actually creates innovation and discussion. And so, yeah, I'm actually grateful that we have a place to meet each other face to face. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I fully agree that uh, I don't think that we will be or actually to go it proved to us that uh, there is a need for office spaces so yeah we can work remotely but uh, we still need to meet meet our colleagues and sometimes it's uh, or some people like to work just in the office some people might like to work mainly at, at home or somewhere somewhere else but anyways the office is needed needed to keep up culture of company and, and for innovation mm -hmm. and, and keep up the good spirit. So it's really required to run, run the company. And you also got a good point, Paloma, about asking from your people. And that's something what I recommend for every company when they are considering what kind of uh, office premises they need. They should be asking from their people, because if you are just copying ideas of, of uh, what you have seen or what your competitors or clients are doing, that might not be a good solution for you. So ask, ask your people what kind of premises they would like to have and in which location and build your own office concept based on opinions of, of your people. Of course, you should use uh, professional advisors to help help, help to build, build the concept, but really listen, listen to your your people and make sure that you are building premises for for your people, not just premises which you as, as a leader, for example, think would be nice or which would be similar to, 
to your clients or competitors. Mm -hmm. 100% agree. And this touches back to the initial points of the tenants again. And it applies to everything, I think, in, in urban development as such. Uh, it's not only like the tenants of an office, but uh, the citizens like of, of, a, of a city, like all of us, like get a, a bigger say, have a bigger impact in how our cities end up looking like. And that's actually the whole point of us also being here. <laughs> like, yeah, okay. Yeah. So, yeah, I think this is a very nice kind of wrap up and getting back to the beginning. And uh, yeah, it, it makes a lot of sense. Yeah, absolutely. I really like this. It was so natural because we're coming this that you have to ask your employees. Uh, yeah, that we have to all contribute also to having living rooms in the city, you know. So I love this. But yeah, like you're right. Like, it's always super nice to speak to you and then we have a lot of similarities and no wonder we are also closed but yeah like you're you're welcome also to come to the office and have like a coffee with us and popcorn <laughs> whenever you want <laughs> yeah um, i also like popcorn to be honest <laughs> i don't need popcorn machine in, yeah. in our office yeah um but if i i just like summarize the key points that we have been discussing is that um Today, where we are, where the situation is, you mentioned four very uh, important things. Uh, financing costs are higher. Uh, the operating costs are higher. Inflation is impacting also construction costs. And there's something about the future of office. So there's four points of today. But what to do next? Uh, you mentioned is uh, back to basics. So focus on asset management or office as a second home, as we are now discussing. Uh, and then um, moving forward, like uh, in the future, when you were discussing or painting this picture, well, you mentioned that there's uh, growth in investments, uh, institutional investments are there and there is money. Urbanization is still here, you know, and now interest, we will see that they start to decrease as well. Uh, interest rates, there has to be effort put in leasing markets from both sides, the office and the residential. And then the role of the public side that could be there also helping this transition is uh, to have more flexibility in the zoning as well. Uh, and then this leads all to better tenants, uh, happy tenants and happy residents as well. So more focus in these little things that make cities livable. I think it's uh, as, as I'm summarizing here in your words, or, or my own words, you know, what your thoughts are. But I think in the future, we, we need to focus really in what makes a tenant happy or a resident happy. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that uh, uh, one of the challenges of real estate business, actually real estate and construction business historically has been that uh, both investors and developers have kind of forgotten tenants and users of premises. So it has been more like just building buildings and owning and operating buildings, but forgetting that the reason why we have those buildings, because if we won't have users or occupiers, we won't need need the buildings. Absolutely. But luckily, I think that this mindset has been slowly changing and this business is coming slowly more, more and more customer driven. So let's hope that this development will will continue. And that was I actually started my career as a researcher over 20 years ago. And of one of our research themes was 
was how, how to make real estate business more customer driven. <laughs> and I have, I can see, say that uh, we have seen a change, but uh, there's still quite a long road to go. Yeah, that's very nice. Very nice to hear also. And uh, Tero, just to end this very nice conversation, we want to ask you a question that we ask all our guests. And this is that if there were no limits at all, what kind of technological innovation uh, would you invent to make your life easier in the city? And now we have painted before like a very complicated picture <laughs> of the city and the situation. So now here is the way, the, the moment for you to solve everything. <laughs> well, that's that's a good and actually challenging question. So as, as I mentioned, I'm a... I'm a city person, and uh, overall, I think that it's uh, it's already nowadays quite easy to live in the in the city. But what I would like to see as a change uh, is uh, kind of uh, automated uh, cars or something like that. Because yeah, if you are living in in city center in walking distance to every almost everything, and you have a good public transportation connections, you typically don't need your own car, but sometimes you need to carry something from one point to the other point, or then you might want to visit on your summer house, for example. And for that reason, actually most of people still end up to buy their own car. Mm -hmm. So if there would, could be a solution, which is not owning a car or leasing a car but it would be a kind of automated solution for for that kind of transportation needs that's something what i would like to see in some point in future mm -hmm. i'm just imagining now like this experiment that there was in espo with the robots that were transporting the grocery to people's homes but in a bigger scale <laughs> that they transport everything to your murky yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> or from Ikea to your home. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That has, that's a good one. I've been there taking the bus to Ikea full of stuff. Yeah, it's not pleasant. Uh, and it's something for the public side to think, imagine that we have public transport that comprehends also these robots that are bringing stuff to your home mm -hmm. that's created by the public as well. That would be amazing. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Cool. And maybe that they go underground so we don't have to see all the cars <laughs> going around yeah. or very high up. I don't know. But yeah, like Elon Musk's like a subterranean city, city yeah. like underground city. Right. Uh, but hey, it has been super good speaking to you, Tero. A pleasure to hear you, as always, uh, to listen to you. Uh, you're quite inspirational and very concrete. So I don't have this feeling that uh, I didn't learn anything. I actually learned a lot. So thank you very much uh, for being here and being our guest here. Yeah, thank you for inviting to your guest. And uh, yeah, this has been a nice conversation. Yeah. Always pleasure to speak with you as well. Thank you. Good. Thank you very much. All right. So stay tuned also for our next uh, surprise guest as well, like in our ne next podcast. And we will reveal this slowly for everyone but thank you also for the listeners that are out there hopefully we are creating a interesting conversation for you okay have a nice day everyone <laughs>